Well, congratulations. You have stumbled across another episode of the Golf Guide Podcast. Ahoy! Ahoy! Hello! Oh, thank you for having me again. Hi, everybody. What the hell's going on? Ah. Welcome back to another delightful episode of the Golf Guide Podcast. We're jumping in. We're, we're jumping. We're in. jumping right in. I think we've got all of our our audio difficulties out of the way from uh, from last week. I, turns, I, turns out you have to plug the microphone into the right actual hole. You know, I was really flirting with the idea of not telling them exactly what happened and just saying that it was some sort of difficulty, but you kind of blew that one right out of the water. Uh, I might have made that up. <laughs> anyway, what's going on, everybody? Uh, welcome to another wonderful episode of the Golf Guide Podcast. I'm here with my buddy Casey. We're yeah, we we got some nice stuff for you this week. It's uh, a little bit of a slow time as uh, the PGA Tour leaves the West Coast and heads to the most, or I should say, one of the most unpleasant areas in our nice country in the Florida Swing that will kick off this weekend at the uh, the Honda Classic. Kyle and I are, are lucky to agree on a lot of stuff about golf. And one of the things we certainly agree on, and most of the people I know agree on, is that uh, the California Swing is pretty cool. And the Florida swing is an unbearable dead spot in the golf season. Now, we all know that Florida has some good golf tournaments. And, you know, even a, you could play a tournament on the moon and it would <laughs> it, could, it could be exciting depending on who's in the lead and how things play if out. If somebody had a tournament on the moon this weekend, I would watch it on the Honda Classic. That's definitely true. <laughs> I'm, I'm checking to see where the LPGA is this week <laughs> to see if they're <laughs> at a better place. Uh, but, you know... We, we have these four Florida tournaments. Kyle and I were, were taking a look at the schedule. There's four consecutive tournaments in Florida. Correct. Four tournaments starting this week at the Honda Classic, which takes place at PGA National in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida, followed by the World Golf Championships Cadillac at uh, Doral, um, which is owned by some guy that I think has been in the news lately. Um, there's the Valspar Championship March 10th through the uh, 13th at Copperhead in Palm Harbor, Florida, and then finally wrapped up with the Arnold Palmer at Bay Hill. Yeah. That is that's a gruesome. The, yeah. I think I heard you reference it before the podcast that if I was a professional golfer, I may just think about taking the next month off and getting yeah. ready for the Masters. Well, that was kind of a joke because <laughs> obviously you can't take off the WGC and right. uh, Bay Hill. Mm -hmm. You know the, the Arnold Palmer tournament. I think it is cool that Arnold Palmer has a tournament and that he's there sure. and has been over the years. I mean, Jack Scott Memorial. Yeah, and that's a great thing. And it has some rich history, especially with Tiger Woods winning it like six times. That That is a testament to a course that, you know, reveals the best golfer. If Tiger Woods keeps winning your tournament, mm -hmm. there's something to be said. But sure. the bottom line is that these golf courses in Florida look like unholy slogs through hell <laughs> to play. <laughs> it's not just the water hazards, it's the wind, it's the inhospitable climate. I think, uh, don't get me wrong, the weather is nice and warm, but right. it's this humid, gross Bermuda, and Bermuda grass, I don't know if you play a lot in Bermuda, my, mm -hmm. my fair listeners, but Bermuda grass sucks. 
And, uh, you know, if you're in Bermuda Rough, you might as well throw the ball into a well <laughs> and try to hit it out of it, especially from around the green. So uh, I, I've got my quibbles with Florida kind of golf. I, you know, you, you, you like the alligator sightings that the cameramen are desperate to find. That's yeah, cool. Sure. Uh, but but uh, there are these kind of grubby looking windswept hellscapes. And I don't know how anybody can like playing that kind of golf but it is a stern test it's good it's a good firm demand on the world's best players do you think there's golfers in florida that sort of look at and sort of despise california golf in the same way that people from the west coast kind of look at florida and think Ugh. is there such a thing as california golf because California has all the climates. I we, guess we, not, because Southern California golf looks significantly different than Northern California golf. You know, coastal Northern California golf looks a lot different than golf in the Sierras. You know, Palm Desert. I mean, so, okay. I should say traditional, uh, there's not even tradition, but golf on the West Coast. Because the thing is, in Florida, there's becoming a little bit more variety. Um, just with that new resort, I think it's Streamsong, or uh, I'm messing the name up. But it's a new golf resort kind of in the band and mold that's uh, mm. uh, been built in these sand dunes in the middle of the state, kind of halfway between Tampa and Orlando, I believe. Okay. And it, all the big names are there um, designing the courses. I mean, there's a Tom Doak course. There's a Bill Corp, Ben Crenshaw course. They're building a new Gilhans course. I mean, and it, from all the pictures I've seen, it looks pretty stunning. But the thing is, I don't think of that place when I think of Florida golf. Maybe things will change over the next couple of years, but the Florida golf that you see on the PGA Tour is just so boring. And I, I'd be curious to know if people in Florida think that same thing when they're watching golf at Torrey Pines or Pebble Beach or yeah. I, I can't imagine they would, but who knows? I, it, it, I can't imagine I? they do either. Uh, people who've pl actually played golf in Florida have a better idea of what Florida golf is really like than somebody like me who only watches it on TV every year. Sure. But, but yeah, California golf is less monolithic than Florida golf. Florida golf, you know, you, you make a good point about these new resorts, but in terms of where they go on the tour, it, it is always these cookie-cutter... They kind all, of honestly, I would have a tough time if you you know were just showing me pictures. You can't even pick of the which golf course courses. It is. Couldn't couldn't tell them apart. You're always hitting into this blue gray sky, and then the ball comes down, and that's it. And then it's that over and over again. And in some sense, it's a pure test of golf because there isn't a lot of randomness to it. Sure the the it's fairways the fairways don't have a lot of run. There's a lot of severe penalties for mistakes, and yet there's pretty generous landing areas and things like that the greens are relatively large and the greens roll fairly true yeah uh the only thing that's a little bit messy is the rough and it's supposed to be penalizing sure. so in a sense you can look at it in, in terms of uh math and probability and say that it's a fair test but in terms of the experience i don't you know you're you're playing in in thunderdome out there and you know, it it can't be fun. I, I don't I've never done it, but it can't be fun. I mean, this is more of a philosophical question more than anything else. But, you know, and we may have touched on it previously, but if somewhere is a good quotations test of golf, does that actually make it a good golf course? Absolutely not. No, I don't think so either. Many great tests are great golf courses and many are bad golf courses. Totally. Yeah, I, and meanwhile, the, we Kyle and I played a couple of days ago. I, 
any test for me. Any golf course is a test. Even swinging a golf club and hitting it, uh, hitting a ball in the first hole is a test. So you know, let's get that out there. I uh, actually i I just saw something funny on uh, on Twitter not that long ago, and uh, I think it's Alan Shipnick is one of the senior golf writers for Golf Magazine, and in his uh, profile on his page, he says, you know, I spend all my time between Pasa Tiempo and uh, Pebble Beach or something like that. And so I just ended up writing him just because I thought it was funny. I said, well, if you could only play one for the rest of your life, which one would it be? And, you know, it, uh, he obviously is like, oh, come on. I mean, that's not even a question. Obviously, it's Pebble. Like, you know, you can't. And, you know, I, I probably would tend to agree that if I could only play one because of the view. But in terms of the golf course, it's really good. And some other guy came in and commented that when you hear people say how Pebble's nice, but Spyglass is a better test, that, is there not a, a dumber thing that somebody could say? It, 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 like, well, come on, like, just get your shit together. I mean, who cares? The I test what, does not have anything to do with whether it's a good golf course or not. But that's my opinion. It doesn't. But I think sometimes people say it's a better test because they want a classy way of saying it's a better golf course. Hmm. They really mean it's a better course, but they don't want to just say, oh, it's a better course because it's conclusory and they want to have a, a sexy scientific way of saying, I think it's a better golf course. Right. I think Spyglass is a better golf course than than Pebble, but sure, they're both great. Yeah, they're um, both great. And I th- I think Spyglass is harder. Uh, whether it's a better test or not, who cares? Yeah. I mean, it, it, who come cares? On. I personally, from a golf course standpoint, if you're taking the views out of it, I actually would probably say I'd rather play Pasa Tiempo. If I could our only friend, play one, our friend John says Pasa Tiempo might be his favorite golf course. I, and, and I'm the and exact he's played quite a few good ones in terms of all the golf courses I've ever played. I think Pasa Tiempo is my favorite as well. I think McKenzie, you got to put right up there. I mean, is he not right at the very top? I mean, he might be right at the very in, top. In terms of, you know, golf course architects that you should give a shit about, it's basically old Tom Morris, probably CB McDonald, and McKenzie, if, if you're not including anybody that's designing golf courses right now. I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously we're in an era where golf course architecture has been refined to sure. such an art where you have a lot of really good golf course architects around at the same time. Right. It probably hasn't been this way in the past, although I guess in maybe in the first two decades of the 20th century, mm-hmm. you had a similar thing going on. But for classic golf courses, it doesn't get better than McKenzie. I mean, no, look, look at it Aga- absolutely not. Look at Augusta. It is a really it has nothing to do with the masters it's a great golf course mm-hmm. it is a really great golf course there is a reason that alistair mckenzie you know the thing about like golf course rankings i love them i can't stop looking at them yeah. i i adore I, they, they're always even the ones that suck and because because it is a totally subjective thing what is one person's favorite doesn't have to be somebody else's and there's nothing about that that's wrong but there is kind of a general consensus as to the group of golf courses that most people who play a lot of golf will kind of collectively consider to be the very best, whether that number is five, 10, a hundred, you know, th- th- there is that, you know, one thing about it that you could probably get a consensus that everybody thinks it's probably one of the best. And two out of the three top golf courses perennially in the United States are designed by Mr. McKenzie. It's a fact. And, you know, the only reason Pasa Tiempo wouldn't be on there, I would assume, is because, you know, one of them has the best golf tournament in the world played at it every year. And the other one that's in the top is on the most spectacular parcel of property that maybe any golf course has ever been constructed on. Yes. Uh, but in terms of the quality of the golf course, man, Pasa Tiempo, right there. 
It's yeah. it's it's just. So, I mean, I thought about it. If the entire side, one side of the property at Pasa Tiempo was built on cliffs on the ocean, like would, would that, people think it's better than Cypress Point? That's maybe. A good, that's a good way to think about I, I, it. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. You know, it, it's it really is that good. So Pasa the, Tiempo is not paying me any money at all to say this. It just is genuinely my favorite, probably my favorite golf course that I've got to play. You know, multiple times. Well, you and I have to. You and I have to make our way to Pasa Tiempo. I think so. Well, for all this awesome, awesome pub, I hope someone from Pasa Tiempo is listening and they want to invite us down there so we can talk more about their beautiful golf course. <laughs> Other, otherwise, we're <laughs> going to talk day. shit about it next, <laughs> next time. We don't hear from you soon. Uh, it is, we'll turn our fire. It is so good. Well, if we go a little bit more south, um, we had a nice tournament at Riviera last weekend. We did. Your favorite golfer in the entire world, Bubba Watson, reigned victorious. Yeah, well, you know, the, this, the guy wins. I mean, he's a great golfer. Nobody's arguing that. Yeah, he is a great golfer. He's also, did you know this? I'm, I'm not sure you did. He's the, the world's first guy who ever adopted a child. <laughs> Nobody ever did it before him. Is yeah, it? They, they created the whole concept for him. He's I did hear that. the only guy who ever did that. Wow, what a champion. What, that, what, means he's what a a wonderful... that means he's a better father than everybody who else, uh, everybody else in the world who's a father. <laughs> did you... <laughs> No, I, th- this is a totally terrible question to ask. Uh, um, are either he has two kids? I think he has one, a son and a daughter. Or is it just the daughter? I think it's just the son. Well, he's got a daughter as well. Oh well, I missed she, that. She pulled this stunt. All right, <laughs> it was bad. Everybody was commenting on how it was the cutest thing ever. But uh, during the trophy ceremony at the Northern Trust Open, somehow, some way, Bubba Watson's daughter got her way onto the green and just sat down in the middle of the putting green while they're trying to do the award ceremony and Bubba got to walk over and pick her up and show everybody what a wonderful father he is and I, all, all, I was like what a stunt I what, think what, <laughs> you know what an unbelievable stunt this guy is trying to pull I haven't seen win it. favor of I haven't seen it it was probably innocent and, and accidental but I, I think it's cute with all the little kids on the green after the tournament I think that's cute I think it, it's a nice thing for for golf it's a good image but I wasn't aware that Bubba Watson had a daughter. I don't know uh, how old was the daughter. Did you see? The, she, the, she's really young. I I wrote uh, on my Twitter page because I I don't tweet very often because I just don't really like social media. But I had the thought and I figured I might as well write it on there. Not otherwise, that social. Oh, otherwise, <laughs> otherwise I wouldn't remember it. And I wrote down it. There were there were some people that uh, gave me a little bit of a response. You get a lot of heat on Twitter, well, evidently, they, from people. They have since uh, you know un you know deleted comments and oh, such. My. But uh, I said that uh, I think Dakota stunt at the Northern Trust Open is sadly going to reinforce Bubba's maternal superiority complex. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. And, I, and uh, that, that's basically how I feel about this. Yeah, yeah. I, Bubba's an emotional guy, and who knows what his deal is in terms of his... I, I don't even want to His personal life it, aside, if we're just talking strictly about golf, well, he's a good win. He's a good yeah, win. He is a great golfer. He used to be kind of a, an iffy putter, and he really has dug deep and yeah. become a he's, really good putter he's solid man he's yeah he's really is. really solid um and in the long game and the wedge game and you you can't help but respect it not only does he bomb the drives with shape mm-hmm. but he he can he can take something off everything and he plays a kind of game that nobody else in the world's ever played mm-hmm. and uh he's tremendously fun to watch play golf although in a sense you watch him play and it's kind of demoralizing yeah. because he can pull off shots that nobody else in the world can pull off. The kind of I, shots you used to be able to see Tiger hit. Not even. Not even. The, they're, they're Tiger doesn't hit the ball far enough. Tiger never hit it as far as Bubba does. Although, you know, there's the technology gap sure. to, to think about. 
but more importantly, Tiger never shaped the ball as much as Bubba did. Maybe he could have if he tried, but he didn't do it. And he didn't have the vision that Bubba did, even though he had amazing vision. You know, mm-hmm. Tiger saw shots that other people didn't see, but right. so does Bubba. And those shots are fucking crazy. They're sensationally, and viciously good. The wedge at Augusta in the playoff was amazing. Yeah, absolutely. It was such incredible. a high-quality shot. And he did. He had a shot like that this week at, at uh, the Northern Trust. So, you know, he, he is an amazing golfer. Nobody can take that away from him. Uh, he's a great story. Mm-hmm. You just wish he were a bit of a better personality, and that. Uh, but you know, it's apples and oranges between your professional career and your personality and your public image, and mm-hmm. you know, there are guys in Hollywood and guys whose beautiful paintings hang in museums, and th- these guys are rapists <laughs> or they are murderers, <laughs> and. Really, that's a hundred times worse than anything Bubba Watson could even be accused of legally. And yet we're looking at these things and admiring them and saying, oh, how great are these people? How great is what they've done? Mm -hmm. You have to separate the work from the personal. Totally. And Bubba the golfer is fucking good at golf. Yeah, and I don't know how else you. Do that. I mean, you could put it more eloquently. And, than that, but and he's at just worst, a damn, he's an oversensitive. And at worst, he's kind of an oversensitive personality. That's sure. as bad as you can you can pin him. Right. Uh, but yeah, absolutely, and he will be in the Hall of Fame for sure. Yeah, I think so as well. Especially you know, we had that discussion last week. But yeah, I think he, if he were to retire right now, he probably is still in the Hall of Fame. He has to be. He's a multi, multiple multiple major winner. Mm-hmm. One on you know, he's won at Riviera two out of three years, and you know that's. Quite good. I wonder if Angel Cabrera is in the Hall of Fame. Let's go off on a little tangent for 30 he's gotta seconds be. here. He's got to be. You think so? He's been competitive in enough tournaments where he absolutely has to be, I, I think. So. And you just don't have that many savage. He won you the know, U.S. Open and the Masters, right? Absolutely. I think you got to be in for that. But you he, absolutely have to be in. I, those, and, he, and he smoked cigarettes walking up the 18th fairway. What a G. I, I think those are his only two wins on the PGA Tour. I don't know. I'd have to look it up. I don't think he won any other tournaments. I would not be surprised if those were his only wins, but I can't say that I actually know. I could look it up, though, right now for you. I'm pretty confident those are the only ones. Hmm. Angel Cabrera, the Argentinian assassin. Let's see here. PGA Tour wins. Three. Oh, okay. So he had another one. So won the Masters in 2009, won the U.S. Open in 2007. He had a top 10 finish at the Open Championship. You know... What was the other yeah. PGA Tour win? Uh, PGA Tour win. Mm, Masters win. Was in the mixed win a green jacket in 2011. Uh, was again in the final pairing in 2013 at Augusta. And then Cabrera won the Greenbrier Classic in 2014. Ah. Oh, okay. I forgot about that. I have a heartbreaking story to tell our listeners. It's very, very quick. But back when Cabrera was on the verge of winning the Masters again. Uh-huh. And he lost to Adam Scott, who made like a 25-foot birdie putt on 18 and then made a 20-foot birdie putt on 2013, right? Yeah. Okay. On 10 in the rain with that fake, phony, anchored putter that he had back then. (laughs) The only major that he's ever won. A great golfer. Sure. My father had a $10 bet on Cabrera to win the Masters at 80 to 1. No way. That year. And if, if Scott had missed that putt on 18, my dad would have had 800 bucks. Man. And uh, oh, what a fine gambler. That was a hell of a bet. And yeah. he really deserved to win that one, but it did not happen. Wow. 
Yeah, that's yeah, that's a great call. Yeah. At eighty to one, I mean, and any any sensible you know golf gambler would uh, you you would think logically would put money on that. But I'm assuming there was not a lot of money on Cabrera going into that Masters tournament. He had faith in him. The guy won two majors. He yeah. was a stiff competitor. Totally. No, he's a uh, big on how Cabrera fan. I I think with only three wins, because two of them were majors and he was in the mix at a couple more. I think he's in. Gambling is amazing. Yeah, everybody go gamble. <laughs> Gambling is very nice. If you I, can afford it, risk it. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Any other thoughts on uh, Riviera and the Northern Trust Open? Adam Scott, eh, you know, chips eh. in on 18 to push it well, up. We 1,400, gonna, leader going to the clubhouse. Yeah, Bubba, birdie uh, 17, Adam's, pars 18, yeah, wins by one. It's fine. It's fine. doesn't matter. Uh, we were going to talk about Jordan Spieth. And, I think, I think uh, that does warrant something because in the first round of the Northern Trust comment, Open. A quick comment on Jordan Spieth. Homebush shot 79. 79. This, the... Somebody's got to get a hold of this guy and tell him to calm down. Uh, go to Dallas, take a you know a day off, go on a picnic with your girlfriend, or play basketball at your giant mansion that you bought from yeah. uh, from Hunter there's Mahan. Lots of, there's lots of nice ranches you can go hang out with. Like Scalia was just hanging out at Did one of them. Did you see that he bought he Hunter away? Mahan's Hunter Mahan's mansion? Did he really? Oh yeah, where in in Florida? Dallas? Oh, in Dallas. It's this no big mansion kidding. with an indoor basketball uh, court, and it's you know just a regular old mansion. Do they have like special like golf real estate agents that only sell and buy no. properties within the, within the tour or well, something? Bubba Watson bought Tiger's house. I did, yeah. I did. Maybe it's a thing. Yeah, it, it, I don't know. Maybe but <laughs> I don't know why you'd want to buy Hunter Mahan's house in terms of like <laughs> your golf prestige. He's a good golfer and everything, but he's also the guy who who chipped it five feet at the Ryder Cup when we needed to win. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I hate to put it that way, but that's that, that's the most notable golf memory the guy's that ever is, created. Unfortunately for him, that that is correct. Oof, that was heartbreaking. And and the guy took it seriously, so I don't want to make him feel too bad about it. But in any case, Jordan Spieth is doing too much, and this is I'm not the only guy who thinks this. Every everybody is saying it. He's going from Dubai to Singapore to Hawaii, and he kicked ass in Hawaii. And when then, he was fresh, before he started jumping across time zones. No, he already had. Yeah, but but he but that, that was the first of the kind of kind of brutal swing where he was like Hawaii, no, it was Singapore, the, it was toward, Dubai. It was the middle of it. He okay. was it was still in the middle of it. But it he, whenever Jordan Spieth shoots seventy nine mm-hmm. at a a golf course that's not that complicated. And meanwhile, look at what Jordan Spieth's been able to do. He shows up for the first time at golf courses sight unseen, like Chambers Bay, mm-hmm. and he kicks ass sure. and he wins the tournament. Why couldn't he do the same thing at Riviera? There's no good reason except that he's probably burned out. Hmm. Uh, he needs to take it a little bit more cautiously. I know he made $55 million next year. He's trying to strike while the iron's hot. Maybe don't go to Singapore. Maybe don't go to Dubai. You know, hmm. stick to America. Be the Donald Trump of golf. Yeah. And build a wall around your schedule. <laughs> and <laughs> play domestic <laughs> events. <laughs> It would be really good for him because I got to say, I think the entire golfing world is getting really bummed out when they have to watch him just flat out suck the way that he did on Thursday last week. He's 21. He's he's not as energetic or strong physically as he's going to be when he's older. Mm-hmm. He's got to be tired. Yeah, right? If you, When you're 21, you're tired for no reason. Yeah. And he's got plenty of good reasons to be tired. I slept until 2 in the afternoon on most days when I was 21. Every day. Yeah. Yeah. And this guy's waking up for tea times, practicing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And anyway, it would be nice to see him get back in. With the way that he played in this last tournament, though, I think, and again, we, we, we touched on it right before we started recording, and that is 
is anybody considering him the favorite to win the Masters right now? It is foolish to consider Jordan Spieth the favorite to win the Masters right now. Totally foolish. Yeah. He has a big win this year. He has played okay in a couple of tournaments, but he was a little bit lackluster in Singapore and then 79. I mean, my goodness. Well, I mean, yeah, and, and again, we, you know, he didn't play well, you know, for most of the days at Pebble 2 weeks ago. And, you know, now in Riviera, I mean, he misses the cut. Did you know he's already missed almost as many cuts as Tiger has in his whole career? Well, hey, so is everybody. <laughs> so, uh, it's just when people no, come through with, like, the Tiger compare, like, hey, maybe he's better no, than Tiger. It's, it's like, he's 21, he's already missed as many cuts as Tiger did in 20 yeah, years. Like, not, come on. Not a, not a comparison. No. But Jordan Spieth shouldn't be the favorite to win the Masters at all. Um, I don't know if he's going to the Valspar again or what. But anyway, not, not we'll totally see. sure. Not totally sure. You have to look for Masters favorites now. You certainly have to look at Bubba Watson, who's playing great golf. You have to look at Phil Mickelson, who was playing pretty well. And the guy who I would pick, and, and McElroy, he's playing well, but mm-hmm. McElroy is, doesn't really fit well with Augusta so far. Sure. Uh, the guy I would probably pick would still be Jason Day. He's, Day or Bubba. Day or Bubba. Yeah, and that, that's they're always like well. they're always Augusta favorites. Nobody is telling you anything new on this podcast when it comes <laughs> to Augusta. But but uh, you know why why rock the boat? Those, I, l- those I love how it's still two months away and we're just still talking about Augusta. Like it's the most. I mean, it's just everybody's just got such a massive erection for Augusta. Let me tell the viewers, <laughs> excuse me, the listeners. You can't view audio, can you? <laughs> that uh, Mr. Serlo, my co-host here, or the host. He is going to Atlanta this weekend for a conference for uh, bus- uh, business types. Uh, yes. And he had the most ridiculous idea of sending out <laughs> some email to Augusta. No, not an email, a, a handwritten okay, letter. Okay, fine. A handwritten, uh, ink signed on bonded paper with on letterhead. Yes, yes, custom letterhead. Uh, he, he was going to send this to members of Augusta offering so generously to play golf at their course <laughs> what's wrong with that yeah, i've never heard of such insanity <laughs> it might my thing was it sounded like it might be just crazy enough where maybe you'd get a hit back somebody yeah. would just really find it humorous it and is, maybe it's less crazy to send letters to all the chicks at the playboy mansion asking to bang them <laughs> is i don't know that 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 almost that is way likelier to work really yes oh see i would have you know you pen Mr. Buffett a letter telling him that if he's going to be in Augusta area and he's you know he's he's looking for a you know a third and fourth playing partner out at his club that if he wanted to enjoy himself and enjoy the company of some you know gentlemen from California who have some nice stories to tell we would happily be available to join him for a leisurely round maybe, of golf. Maybe President what's, Obama. What's wrong with that? Maybe President Obama wants to get a beer with you. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Just write him a letter. Yeah. Uh, good idea, man. Really good idea. There you go. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, aside from you just giving away my master plan of how to get on Augusta. You know, I, this all being said, I guess everybody who's listening to this, which who knows how many of you that it, how many <laughs> dozens if flat out right, yes. of you are listening to this podcast. But uh, yeah, feel free to use that one if you want. Uh, now, now that it's out there for you, I I encourage you all to to give it a go. I think it's a good idea. It worked for me at Pebble. What do you mean? When I was a senior in high school. Okay, you had the kid factor. No, no. I mean, I mean, I'm 18. You know, and I wrote them a letter saying the one time that I got to play Pebble Beach, uh, I got it as a present for getting straight A's. And when I went out there... Oh, you never got straight A's. I did, in eighth grade. So this is four oh, years earlier. Eighth grade. But I wrote them a letter, you know, because you know, th- there was an assignment where you write a letter to a company 
where you voice displeasure with an experience. That, that was seriously an assignment. <laughs> Communist assignment from <laughs> Santa Rosa's school system. Uh, and uh, so I wrote my letter to Pebble Beach saying that the one time I got there, I got it as a gift for doing well in school. And when I arrived there, not until I arrived on the very first green did I realize that the greens had been punched two days earlier. Oh, oh, and that for, oh. for me to have to go and play Pebble and not get any heads up that you know this thing that I'd worked so hard for uh, was unfortunately mildly ruined oh. by the fact that somebody had punched the greens and not told us. I just want to let them know that in the letter I just said, I still enjoyed myself. It was a great experience. I won't forget it. However, I just please ask you to just make sure that doesn't happen to anybody else where they get all the way out there and they don't know oh, the greens are punched until oh. they get... All right. What did they do? They they gave you a, gr- a green fee? They did. They gave me two. One for me and my oh dad. Oh, my God. Well, first of all, that's really great customer service. It is. And then that's the thing. is Pebble Beach, expensive as it may be, it's expensive because their customer service is unbelievably on par. It is fantastic. It is the best in the industry. You pay for it, but that is what you get. That is such a great bullshit <laughs> line. It's like, I don't want anything, but please make sure this doesn't happen to anyone else. Can I ask I'm you so something? altruistic, and I am only interested in other young men who <laughs> get Pebble Beach green fees for getting the grades that they should want to get for their own self-interest anyway. And it, it, I one time I tried to this ask... This is 12 my, years hey, ago. I'm not necessarily proud of it, but you know, it, it's, it's, it's there. One time, one time I heard that some of my friends were getting paid for A's and I went to my parents because I thought this was a great scam because I was getting A's anyway. And I I go to my parents. I'm like, hey, how about like five bucks or ten bucks an A? Because other people are getting this. How about we just let you live here and we pay for all your meals? Yeah, and my parents are like, are you fucking crazy? We're not paying you for grades. You should be getting good grades for yourself. Yeah. What are you, a psycho? And and that was the end of the conversation. They, they, my, my present for not for for getting A's was not being beaten savagely. <laughs> uh, my, my, my parents knew how to get to me because I didn't try very hard, but I was always just smart enough to get away with getting B's and everything. Anyway, they're like, we should probably want to see if he could get A's if he really wanted to. I, th- I think it was just kind of well, a ploy by them. Well, you certainly are smart enough. Thank so. you. Well, I, I just don't try. I mean, I'm just not genuinely... I wasn't genuinely interested in school from age 13 to 18. Who you can know blame what? me? Considering how stupid all this stuff is in school, who could care, <laughs> honestly? It's a miracle we all got out uh, of it. It's great. Well, as we steer back on course... Yeah, forget it. You know, uh, we wrapped up golf on the West Coast Swing, talking about Jordan Spieth. Um, I kind of want to just go over and see if there were some highlights from the West Coast Swing and... Uh, as I went to go kind of make a list, something popped up that Golf Digest did a uh, little article just highlighting the best and the worst of the PGA Tour's West Coast Swing. So I figured, why not? The work's already done for me. Just go through it real quick and kind of get your hot take on some of this stuff. Um, best four-round performance of the West Coast tw- Swing. Anything come to mind? Spieth, Kapalua. Oh. Homeboy shoots 30 under par. Is that the West Coast Swing? They in the middle of the ocean. They consider it to be part of the West Coast Swing. Again, this is Golf Digest. Maybe their geography. Nobody's ever, good. yeah. Nobody's ever thought of Hawaii as being on the West Coast. No, it was a pretty spectacular beatdown. Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, it was the most dominant. What comes to mind, though, in terms of the tournaments that were really on the West Coast, would would I guess be Snedeker? Because didn't he shoot sixty nine or seven? Sixty. So, yeah. Actually, funny enough, the next thing for the best uh, performance in the West Coast swing for best single round performance right. was Snedeker's 67 in those vicious awful conditions at Torrey on Sunday. I think you give that absolutely. You give that to Snedeker. Yeah, it's absolutely got to be Snedeker. What huge win. 
Yeah. Huge win. Unbelievable round of golf on Sunday. I mean, was it? everybody was shooting mid high seventies, some low eighties on Sunday and Monday and Homeboy just goes out there and shoots sixty seven like that's he's a cool great, as a cucumber. It's a great way of determining how good a round really is, is is round versus field average. Yeah. Yeah. That totally. that's the best way to determine that. Yeah, what a G. I mean he he tore it up on Sunday and that was yeah. that was a well deserved win. Um let's see here. Another one they have is the toughest loss on the West Coast swing. They gave it to Ricardo Fowler at the Waste Management Open. It looked like he was headed to a second win in three weeks what West after Coast, Dubai. What West Coast is that on? <sighs> Again, uh, maybe this this whole thing is just Western United States. They oh keep on saying God. West Coast, but for them, the yeah, I get it. Yeah, you know. So let's, let's just be a little more precise. All right, let's let's skip over that here real quick. Um, let's see what else they've got here. Looks like the most painful miss. That one seems easy. Mickelson. Yeah, it's Mickelson on eighteen. Yeah, yeah. blocking out that butt. <laughs> By the way, you 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 don't know any of these that I'm talking. I'm just bringing them up here on the fly, and it, it's. That that one was incredibly easy. I mean, of it, course it, it, it was. It's easily the Mickelson miss. Yeah, and we all wanted to see him make it, but it didn't happen. And then you could also probably say that Phil was the had the best performance of any non-winner on the West Coast swing in terms of how good he was at Pebble. Yeah, and you know, someone just Von Taylor well, just happened to be a little better. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, you think of guys who played pretty well in this most recent tournament at Riviera, like Revi and stuff like that. But you know, that's a totally fair answer. Yeah, I, I think it's a good one. Um, let's see here. Fabian Gomez won in the Sony Open in Hawaii. Yada yada yada. Best ball striker? What the? F- I, I guess Golf Digest has decided they know who the best ball striker for the first that was two you. months. In the that P- was you, right? You hit yeah. seven seven of nine greens when yeah. we played the other day yeah, for I did, the I did. front nine. Yeah, I did. That would be me. But they say it's Hideki Matsuyama. Yeah, Matsuyama. Matsuyama. Come on. Yeah. Okay. He, uh, well, he's. If he's, you could see me right now, I'm doing a motion. Yeah, you know, the, uh, well, you know, he is, he is an amazing ball striker. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's pretty good. I love that guy. I put money on him last year at the Masters. I yeah, I put five really? bucks. Yeah, I put five bucks on him. At, what were uh, the odds on him? Do you remember? They were really good. That's the only reason I bet on him. I put five bucks on him at like 28 to 1, and he came in fifth. So that was the best bet I actually had. I don't like to bet on the favorites. I like to bet on long shots that are undervalued. Sure. And uh, it's he, a much smarter bet. He came. It, it's not smarter, but it's more fun. Yeah. Totally. So he came close to winning. And uh, anyway, he's a great player. Yeah. He'll win a major one day. I think so. Yeah, totally. Although Sergio Garcia has never won a major. So well, you know. I guess it's a crapshoot. Yeah, must be a Spanish thing. Um, Although uh, Miguel Angel Jimenez won uh, six majors, right? Uh, maybe it's a modern Spanish thing. <laughs> 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 Let's see here. The, the best. Again, I, I might take some, you know, some reservations with this uh, this list that Golf Digest has put together, but uh, the best shot from the West Coast swing at PGA West, they have it as uh, good old Jason Duffner's, what they quoted, the escape from Alcatraz, as NBC's Dan Hicks called it, where uh, he hit the ball out of the rocks off that one green, you know, and you know, ricocheted off the flags, flag stick. It, I don't it, even remember that shot. It's the career builder challenge. Nobody knows. Nobody cares. Nobody remembers. No. Forget uh, it. Let's move on. The craziest week, they have Bubba Watson at the Northern Trust Open. No, nobody cares because he had some, what, he passed a kidney stone on Monday. Oh, he did? He did. Really? Yeah, like right before the tournament. He passed a kidney, kidney stone on Monday. He's the father of a kidney stone. <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> oh, what a proud parent. Kidney stone was out on the green. <laughs> <laughs> let's see here. Uh, yeah, so that'll be Bubba Watson for craziest week. All right. Uh, let's see here. Some of the other ones are pretty dumb. Uh <laughs> Yeah, just Golf Digest likes to crank this stuff out. They, I, don't get me wrong. I like Golf Digest. They do a fine job with a lot of the stuff that they do. 
but man, they are just so desperate to have people staring and just click. They're, they're just click obsessed, and they just create these absurd lists and slideshows, and they're just they focus. They In the world of golf, there isn't as much content as they want there to be. No, and they, what they do is they craft news stories out of Instagram pictures made by hot chicks playing golf, right? And it's become a staple of their social media presence. And it's just kind of like, well, you guys better. have some of those talented golf writers in the world working for you. Why don't you just have them? Write some interesting shit. Right. I mean, it would be it would be so much uh, better. I mean, well, you have to pay them. Right. Well, you, well, yeah. I guess that's true. They're just getting free news out of just posting pictures of hot chicks playing golf. That's right. All right. Maybe they're smarter than I think. And hot chicks get clicks. You know, that's a uh, that Ben Franklin said that. <laughs> so I thought that was an Edison thing. Right. Oh, okay. Well. Yeah. Anyway, it it must be working because it continues to happen, and uh, I'll probably continue to click it when I see it. So that's right. Yeah. Good for them. All right, so let's see. So as we uh, we got everything wrapped up on the West Coast swing, um, got the Florida tournaments coming up. Nobody really cares about all that much. How, <laughs> how, how are you doing on beer? You, you got enough beer? Yeah. You you good on beer? Yeah. I I might need a beer here pretty soon. All right. Do you, you need me to read a plug for you? No, no. Go ahead and uh, go, go grab the beers. I, I got a plug that I wanted to, to throw into the podcast here anyway. And get, if you run a low, get one for yourself. Um, just just a little reminder, everybody. Um, golfguide.net. Uh, is a place you can save 30 to 70% off green fees on dozens of courses all over California and Oregon and Nevada. Um, we got some fun stuff in the mix here where we're going to be redoing our website. Uh, we're going to have some exciting new stuff, uh, some more courses added to the store, uh, some new search features, including a brand new golf directory that'll make finding golf easier than ever. Uh, and that's looking like it's going to launch a little bit later this spring. So it's just something to look forward to. Uh, we're Putting a lot of work into it. We're really excited about what uh, we think is going to happen. So, again, that's golfguide.net. And uh, save 30 to 70% off your green fees at dozens of courses all over the West Coast. Look at that. That was timed perfectly. As soon as I finished my read, you're right here with a delicious, fresh Sierra Nevada pale ale. It couldn't have worked out any better. No, it couldn't have. <laughs> and, and speaking of perfect, uh, you know, synchronicity. <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't a natural way to bring this up, but I I, I wanted to. You're I read it. I was I the was boner that everybody has for Augusta right now. Is that what you're talking about? Yes. It basically it is about boners. Yes. Well, that's I was good. on the internet today <laughs> at work, so don't get any thoughts, anybody. And I saw the most amazing headline. I didn't even read the article, but this is the best. I just our our listeners have to know about this if they didn't see this. Historians are saying that Hitler suffered from the dreaded condition of micropenis. <laughs> it, who, who's the source on this story? Who cares? Who, is, is, there a, is this from it a doesn't credible even matter. It doesn't even matter who the source is. It's the best headline ever. I mean, even if it was an Onion headline, it still would be great. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting at work. And and I'm trying not to laugh in the face of tra traumatized victims of everything, and I'm looking at this. Art I'm looking at the headline. <laughs> Historians say Hitler had micro penis, <laughs> and I'm looking at this. I'm like, How do has I anything know? ever made more sense to you in your entire life? It explained everything. Doesn't that explain everything? It's a better theory than the anti-Semitism than the than the you know. I I don't even know. I mean, it's very possible. Did they ever? They never found his body. Is that is that right? There, there's a dispute about that. Like there is about everything. But you know, hey, <laughs> I'm gonna run with it. You know, the movie Unforgiven. I don't know if you've the seen the Clint Eastwood it. classic. The Clint Eastwood classic, best picture. 
Correct. And I hate the Oscars, but I'm calling it Best Picture because the Oscars I feel like used to mean a little more than they do now. They've been tainted by a bunch of garbage, but <laughs> Unforgiven is one of my favorite movies of all time. As it should, it be. is it's a, a f- it's a fine, fine cinematic classic, total masterpiece, and the entire plot of the movie starts with a woman laughing at a guy's penis size. <laughs> that sets off the entire three hours that is full of 20 murders and <laughs> everybody's misery and angst and sturm and drung. And it just goes to show, like... If Size this, certainly does matter. If this Hitler micropenis thing is true, then, uh, you know, we, we need to be on the lookout for the other micropenis people. <laughs> and we need to worry about, you know, not... not uh, Making these micro penis people angry, we certainly don't want to make them angry. They they can cause all kinds of repercussions. That's and God, and God knows if you know if you have that, then it's you know they shouldn't be made fun of. I mean, yeah. for, come on, let's try to be a little more and tolerant. It, in here their in defense, society. they had nothing to do with it. And you know? what's the big deal? No pun intended. <laughs> it's like you know, it really should, it really shouldn't matter. So let's try to be some you know evolved people here about everything. But when it comes to Hitler, I. Again, and yet part credible of you, source be damned. And part of, <laughs> but but see, that's the thing. Part of you wants to laugh at Hitler about it, yeah. right? So it, you're you're torn between being good and bad <laughs> on that story. It really is a moral dilemma. It, it anyway. So I I needed to share that with everyone. That is that's great knowledge. Thank you for that. Yeah. That uh, well that provides a beautiful segue into our next segment. Um, well, because we don't really care for the Florida swing, we're not really going to go into previewing the Honda Classic. Um, other than no, I mean, all you got to really know is Patrick Harrington's the defending champion there. He's probably not going to win. Um, I know the Rory McIlroy's in the field somewhere, but other than that, who knows? You'll probably see a couple of shots of alligators and stuff. Yeah, most likely. Well, I'll jump in there. I just had a couple questions that I wanted to run by you. They're golf-related questions mm-hmm. that uh, I saw funneled around the golf chat hashtag on Twitter that kind of goes around every Tuesday evening. And uh, I figured it'd be fun to just kind of bring some of the questions up and... and pose them to you and kind of see what your response would be to a couple of these. So um, the first one is, and this is a little bit tough, so I'll, you know, you know, I, I'm not sure I could adequately and comfortably answer this because I feel like I might not know enough names, but do you feel like the young guns on the LPGA Tour are remotely as fun to watch as the young guys on the PGA Tour? It's Ooh. not sexist to say no. I mean, it's, just, it's all personal preference because there's a lot of great young ladies on the LPGA Tour. I mean, Lydia Ko is unbelievable. I'm not yes. sure I'd say that she's incredibly exciting to watch, uh, but that's just personal preference. I mean, I I recognize how unbelievably skilled she is, um, but you know, it's funny the way I, the, my relationship with women's golf is kind of the same as the relationship that I hear a lot of my friends and family members who don't like golf that much. Uh, it's the same that their relationship is with with regular PGA Tour golf, men's golf. Mm-hmm. The only time I really watch women's golf is if the tournament is local, or if it's a major, sure, or if it's the Solheim Cup. Yeah, and so that's the way a lot of guys are in this country about golf. They don't care about regular PGA tournaments, the FedEx Cup, or any of that crap. They mm-hmm. they watch the Ryder Cup. They watch the and Masters. they watch the the Masters, and we're lucky if they watch one of the other majors, sure. U.S. Open, Sunday. You know, the the average American guy who's a sports fan mm-hmm. probably watches maybe 
two tournaments may, a year. Maybe 15 hours of golf a year, and that's putting it pretty be, yeah, even generous. Be a little generous. And it's almost all the Masters. Yeah. And the rest of it is, you know, Frankenstein's monster of the U.S. Open and the Ryder <laughs> Cup and maybe the PGA on Sunday if yeah. we're lucky. And So that's kind of how I am with women's golf. I, I do like to keep up on who the top-ranked players are sure. and watch highlights, but... You know, it, I have nothing against the women's game, of course. I mean, there's there's nothing to be against. But in terms of excitement, for some reason, and the women's players are all a thousand times better than I'll ever be. Mm-hmm. So it's not a question of you know not being able to see people who could vastly outperform me. That's obvious. Yeah. But when you are able to see the men's game on a weekly basis, and there it's it's documented better and the whole thing, then it, it sort of makes the women's game a little bit less exciting because on a daily basis, you can see play that is objectively superior. Mm-hmm. And then you look at the women's game and it's just less exciting by virtue of that. Yeah. And like you said, a lot of it may have to do with the, it's just not documented quite as well. There's not, you know, the production money is not put into it. It's not a, it's not an event and a, a piece of theater the way that they'd be able to craft the PGA touring because they just, you know, the, the viewership's not there to be able to warrant putting the money into it to do such a thing. Um, there, part of it is that, and then part of it is that not only are the PGA players better than the LPGA players, they just are. Um, right. But... And, and Playing from the same tees the, at the same golf course on the same day, yeah. Yeah. And the LPGA is great for drama, and that... Certainly. It's it's equal to the PGA Tour in, in that regard, um, if you didn't have a bias toward the the male game, then you would love the drama on the LPGA tour. But mm-hmm. you know, the shots are just not as exciting because they the outcomes are more predictable. Sure, like a drive, they just know. can't hit the ball as far. Is that, I mean, is that really just what it comes down to? As far, or with as much spin, or with as much curve. Or as high. Because I'm sure in terms and, of putting. And it all sounds trivial. I mean, I don't want to make this seem like it's that important because it's not. But if you're watching an LPGA tournament, you will never see a drive that, in theory, you couldn't see from a really good player in the men's club at your local golf course. Right. Um, of course, the players on the LPGA tour are, over the long run, and even over Much a round of golf, of the way, way better than any of the guys right. in your men's club, even the scratch players. They're way better than that. Yeah. But for every given shot, it's not going to be as impressive as the impressive shot from a guy who's 26 and he used to play baseball and he's in your men's club and he's going to pound it out there like 340. Yeah. And you, if you play around with that guy, you're going to see that shot. And that's just the way it is. It is unfortunate. And here's the thing, though. The great equalizer, if you had, you know, the top couple players on the LPGA Tour, you know, or just some of the most famous, you know, you have a, a Lydia Ko, Michelle Wee, uh, Paula Kramer. And I like Lydia Ko a lot. She is a really cool person and a great winner, great player. She's a very good ambassador for women's golf. Absolutely. She, she's she's great. Um, if they were to go play a game of 21 with the top guys on the PGA Tour, it's, it's a toss-up, right? I've, I've always wondered about that. Whether can, can, men, can men be, you know, objectively proven to be better putters i don't think so i believe they are are they? actually yeah and really? i i think they've looked into it i don't know why but i believe you would think that it should be the same 
And there is a bit of that, a that would be my natural inclination. And there's a bit of a height disadvantage. The, the sure, taller yeah. the taller you are, the harder it is necessarily to to strike the ball the right well, way I mean, or to Bubba read the Watson green. Watson stands straight up. It's like he's got a Jesus cross strapped to his back. But he's he, a good putter. Can, yeah, and he's a great putter. Yeah, um, I always wondered that myself, and I, I I wish I could cite it for our listeners, but I believe that the sabermetricians of golf mm-hmm. determined that the the male players are a little bit better at putting. Here's really the difference. Is when it biased it, reporting? It might be. I, I, I can't verify it. Yeah. Here's the thing. The the women who play professionally, they never play greens that are as fast. Yeah, I guess that's true. Because they wouldn't hold iron shots. So women's players, they probably could putt just as well as men's players on fast greens. There's no if they real, were If they were used to them. But Yeah, but they're not. Right. Because if you had women's greens that ran at 13 on the stint meter, then no shot that they hit with a you know a seven iron would ho- ever hold a green, and it wouldn't be fair. Right. Uh, so you, the most important thing for fairness is to have mid irons able to hold, and so therefore women's greens don't run as fast. And, sure. And that that's the difference. If you took you know, you always have to think back to that Annika Sorenstam colonial experiment where she played really, really well. And I think she missed the cut by a stroke or two. Mm-hmm. And it was her first tournament sure. on PGA Tour conditions and a ton of pressure and a ton of nerves. And Michelle Wee, she missed the cut by, I think, a stroke at the Sony Open. Mm-hmm. I have always thought that it would be possible for for a woman or more than one woman to make a living playing golf on the PGA Tour. Sure. But... They'd have to be, I think, physically, physically superior. Yeah, like like, like, a Michelle, like a Michelle Wee yeah, to, exactly. to have a chance. I mean, they'd, they'd have to have a frame that would allow them to hit the ball. And I'm really hoping that one. I mean, we see it in NASCAR, you th- and that has advantages for men. Mm-hmm. You know, believe it or not, there's some athleticism in driving the, those those cars around that oval. So, <laughs> but and and she, yes, she hasn't won a tournament, but or a race. Excuse me. But uh, she's a good driver. Sure. And she's won pole positions, I think. And so, anyway, there is room in, you know, the highest level of golf for women to compete. And that's a great thing about golf. It You can't say that about a lot of other sports. Yeah. Practically none. Almost none. Especially in the WNBA. <laughs> yeah. And yet, by and large, if you're watching a women's tournament versus a men's tournament, if, if you're a a diehard fan what you are really looking for is to watch shots that you could never hit in your life then inevitably the men's game is going to deliver you more of those than the women's game do you think your interest in the lpga do you think having the tour basically be dominated by young ladies from you know from asia has anything to do with america's general interest and how much they watch do you think do you think it would be more popular in the states if there are more young american players on tour I, I hate to say it, but I I do think so. Yeah. I, I don't think that there's anything to be done about it because golf, the whole credibility of golf and the whole image of golf and, and the rightful way that golf should be depends on it being a, a pure meritocracy. Mm-hmm. There, It would be despicable for there to be any kind of national you know, limit on the number of players that there are or something like that, mm-hmm. but... And the LPGA tried to do that a few years ago with the language thing, and they got skewered for it. That was a huge scandal. Yeah, 
and uh, it was obvious to everybody what they were trying to do with that. Um, nevertheless, I mean, looking at this from the perspective of a lazy, you know, potential <laughs> fan American viewer, yeah, they can't, you know, they they the names are are unusual to them. It's hard for them to keep track of who's who in terms of the names, right? And it's and not like it's not, they're not nobody's trying to be racist or anything. It's just I mean, for Americans, it's just nobody's difficult. nobody's trying to be racist, but they are. Yeah, and they they have a hard time contextualizing cultures that are not their own. Right, and eventually, people will adjust, and so that's going to have to happen. Mm-hmm. But. It is it's just tough. the way that it is. It's hard to have icons for a lot of people. It's hard to have icons sure. who are outside of your own cultural milieu. Yeah. And we're trying to move beyond that in society. And there's no reason we shouldn't. You know, people are people. People have experiences. There, There's no reason you shouldn't identify with a person who's from a different country if you have some kind of personality, you know, liking to them or Mm -hmm. you like the way they play golf or you like the way they react when they win or it's just a a a hurdle that people need to get over to come to accept that but uh you know the men's game is going that way too yeah and people are just gonna have to get used to it and they will they will get used to it but there are growing pains associated with it and people just are are a little too lazy to be (laughs) To, to be willing to learn about, you know, individualism in cultures that are not their own. They sure. see cultures that are that are alien to them and they think everybody's the same. Yeah. And it just isn't the case. But people don't have the energy or the time or the inclination. They're they're upset that they even have to take that on. Well, that's what they say. Yeah. Well, here, here, so, here's a quick question for you before we, go, before we go on to the next one. If you had the choice of watching the U.S. Women's Open in person... Or watching the Greenbrier Classic on television, what would you do? I see where the question is going. Like it's trying to present you with a really important women's tournament that you could watch right up close versus a, an unimportant men's tournament that Correct. you could watch on TV. It's a little bit skewed because I like watching golf on TV better than I like watching golf in person. Sure, but. I probably would choose the Women's Open. I really would. Well, that's good. Well, we're going to have an opportunity to do that. This Are year, we? the U.S. Women's Open is being held on the weekend of July 7th through the 10th at Cordoval. Oh, really? Down in San Martin, just down in the South Bay. So the U.S. Women's Open is going to be happening. Um, as much as I like the Greenbrier Classic, I think it would be uh, behoove of us to make sure that we're there to watch some live major action. And I would encourage anybody who lives in Northern California or you know Central California to uh, to do to do the same, the Court of All. It's a really nice golf course. It's set in a beautiful setting. Um, it's one of the you know better Robert Trent Jones Jr. designs. Um, yeah, it's going to be really fun. That would be fun. I I'm totally hyped about that. I yeah. had no idea, so yeah. I'd I'd be willing to go to that. I think it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, I think so too. And again, I do tend to like watching golf on TV better than I like watching it in person because of the drama and the theater they're able to create by you know going back and forth between groups and things like that. But um, if you get a chance to watch a major in person, which be it the men's or the women's game, uh, if it's you know somewhere close to you, you should take advantage and go check it out. I mean, we did the same in 2012 when the U.S. Open was at Olympic, and now that the U.S. Open is back in Court of All, 
uh, in San Martin. Absolutely. We'll, we'll have to do the same. And, you know, the viewing experience at the U.S. Women's Open is going to be a lot better than it was at the Olympic Club. Mm-hmm. And, you know, certainly that is a great thing about going to some of these women's tournaments is that they sell too many tickets to a lot of these men's events and mm-hmm. you just can't see the players. Yeah. So if you can really see the players up close at a golf tournament, that is an incredible experience. Sure. Yeah. It's like being on the Florida basketball game or on the boards at a hockey game. Yeah, absolutely. So that sounds great. I'm yeah. looking forward to it. So again, everybody, U.S. Women's Open, Cordoval in San Martin, California from July 7th through the 10th, the weekend after 4th of July. It's going to be a good time. So hopefully we'll see some of you guys out there. All right. Number two question from the golf chatters. <sighs> this one doesn't really apply to me, but I'll, I'll, I'll give it to you. What percentage of people, yourself included, take off their golf glove when they putt? Eighty percent. So you think twenty percent of people putt with a golf glove on? Sure. That seems ludicrous. Who the fuck puts with a with a glove on? I've done it. I did it for years. Personally, I think everybody that wears a glove is just a little bit of a little bit of a pussy. You know, I you mean, don't wear a glove at all, ever. Never. How didn't I notice that? You notice all these sexy calluses on my left hand? I, I do now. It. Uh, yeah. I, I think it's my dad's never used a golf glove. I used one for maybe like two or three years, um, like starting senior year of high school and then a couple years like in college when I was playing. But after my dad called me a pussy for the hundredth time, I just decided to just take it off. And honestly, I think it's better because I feel like I, my feel doesn't change from the time that I use my irons to when I get onto the green, which sometimes I would feel like when I was using a glove. I'm sure nobody else feels that way, but who knows? I'm strange. I I get it. I mean, the the bottom line, I think, is that there are a lot of shots in the bag that are not feel shots. You really should be trying to make yourself a golf robot for shots like a driver. Sure. But but it's fine. If you don't want a golf glove, there's no reason you should have one. Well, I feel Uh, for me that I, you know, I feel like I don't even, I, I don't like putting one on. But yeah, then when I fine. but then when I see that almost every single guy on the PGA Tour is wearing a golf glove, well, I'll tell you why. Why is that? The sweat. Yeah, I guess I guess that's correct. I sweat like a pig, <laughs> and I don't sweat at all. So maybe that's my thing. the The reason there's a glove on the left hand and not the right hand is because the left hand is the one that takes most of the torque. And it, if you are playing on a on a hundred degree day, like we do a lot mm-hmm. around here in the summertime, sure. If your hand has any moisture on it, you are fucked. If the club rotates a quarter of an inch in your hand, the shot sucks. It's ho- it's over. I mean, now, now that so you're saying it, it's all becoming a little clearer to me because I was playing in Mexico last summer at a friend's bachelor party in like Rocky Point, Mexico at some Jack Nicklaus course, and I was just sweating like a fucking ape. And 18th hole, all the guys were all waiting, all playing together, a group of like 16 guys. 18th hole, I was so sweaty. I just take my swing, and I just my, my driver just flies like 70 yards right out in front of me. I just I had no chance to ever hold on. So in that regard, it makes sense. I still didn't wear a glove, but I probably should have in that, and, in that situation. And the professionals on a humid, hot day, they'll switch gloves every two or three holes. Well, yeah, which makes sense, and they probably should. Of course they should. Well, I, I just wonder how much of them wearing gloves has to do with them just having sponsors that require them to wear gloves so they no. have the branding. It's or not, it's really it's not just about that. They would wear a glove if they had to pay for it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, they would. Uh, in terms of taking the glove off when you're putting, it's because of 
the exact reasons we've that we've been talking about that your feel is better without a glove and for putting and chipping there's not enough torque and rotation mm-hmm. in the golf swing for the club to twist even if you are sweaty sure so th- that's why they do it okay that's the whole difference yeah that makes sense uh all right next question here for you when if ever other than a course where you just literally can't walk when is it acceptable to take a golf cart if you're in a hurry if you're in a hurry yeah yeah because if you know if, if you could drive it on the course i guess you could play 18 holes in less than two hours I've I've wondered this too because I've got this elaborate fantasy of sinking thousands of dollars into my golf game and becoming a, a legitimately okay golfer. <laughs> and you know that, that's my biggest dream is just being a guy who can like shoot even par sometimes. And I've done that a couple of times in my life, but that that was now it's becoming ancient history. It's like the Aztec Empire, <laughs> those even par rounds that I shot. So anyway, I always figure you know you can play more golf. If you have a cart, because you can drive up to the shot, and you can, you know. And in terms of golf, what's the difference? Uh, I feel like I get a little stiff if I'm in a golf cart because I'm not constantly walking to keep my body warm. But yeah, that, well, fair enough. You know, um, okay. So you know, if you're trying to play quickly, that makes sense. Um, or if you're, you know, handicapped, obviously that yeah, makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Okay. All right. Well, last question for you. It's a two-part question. I want golfer and non-golfer. If you could caddy for anybody, dead or alive, there's no pay. You're just doing complimentary, you know, loop. One golfer, one non-golfer. Who would it be? Does the non-golfer have to be somebody who actually played golf no. in history? Nope. Could be anybody. Could be anybody. This will give our audience a little clue into who... Uh, I don't want people who. to know anything about me. Uh <laughs> Who fascinates you? Answer the uh, the golf one first. Yeah. And I feel like my answer would be pretty lame. I've got my answer. It's Tiger Woods. Yeah. I mean, I think that's mine too. There's nothing wrong with that answer. There's nothing wrong? No. I mean, I feel like I want to be a hipster and come up with really some awesome, obscure name. No. no but uh, forget it, it. it's probably Tiger. It's I mean, Tiger. Tiger and then Jack and then Arnie. Um. I would love to caddy for Jack. Arnie, I mean, yeah, that, that would obviously be amazing. But there there are some other people who are interesting in golf history who sure. I would think about after Tiger and Jack. Well, some other names that just because I'm, you know, a golf architecture, you know, fan, um, right. you know, you'd throw McKenzie in there if you could carry his bag and pick his brain about the course that you're playing. Or, I, I you know, wouldn't mind necessarily like or Bobby Jones like or something like that. I think that was a popular answer when the question was posed yeah, online. Yeah, that, that I would think about Bobby Jones, but... In terms of non-golfers, obviously you're thinking about political figures. Uh, you know, those are the main people. Yeah. Since this would be my only opportunity to commune with the dead, <laughs> I would probably have to pick somebody who had nothing to do with golf just because it would give me the opportunity to talk to a certain person. For four I'm straight hours. I'm taking this way too literally. Please, no. It, but it take would, it however it would, you like. It would probably yeah. be Lincoln. It would probably be Abraham Lincoln or... Gandhi or Julius Caesar. How do you think Caesar's golf game would have been? Pretty good. Strong dude. Yeah, not bad. He Mm. probably would have had a short backswing like you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, 50% of the swing for 80% of the distance. How could you go wrong? It's true. (laughs) I mean, it is true. Um, Yeah, I guess that would be, yeah. Those are good answers. 
it would be Lincoln. Yeah. And maybe James Madison, father of our Constitution. Yeah. Well, figure out why the hell the Constitution has all the fuck-ups it has in it, and yet it's so great. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. I'd probably go Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, my God. He's so hot. <laughs> you want to bang him, too, right? <laughs> uh, um, I'm kidding, of course. Well, I think if I couldn't choose Jake Gyllenhaal... Jake Gyllenhaal. What about Heath Ledger when yeah. he was alive? Yeah. yeah well, hey, that's... Good answer. I was just watching 10 Things I Hate About You with my girlfriend a couple weeks ago. I've never seen that movie. Completely underrated. uh, Based on Tammy of the Shrew. Shrew, Right. Fantastic. How about William Shakespeare? You could play golf with him. That's actually a really good answer. That's not bad, right? That would be really, really fascinating. But who wants to play golf with a writer? They don't even write anything down. (laughs) They write numbers. That's that's not like words. (laughs) I think, uh, oh man, yeah. Shakespeare. What about a hot chick? If he didn't talk like such an idiot, I'd probably. What about a hot chick? Wow, if you had to choose one really hot chick from history to caddy for, oh, wow. What a great... I mean, my natural instinct is just to pick whoever, whatever female I find just the most attractive of of anybody in history. Um, The names that come to my mind, if I was to do that, you know, Marissa Miller in her prime... Marilyn, <laughs> like 15 years ago. Yeah, like, like maybe like seven or eight years ago. <laughs> Obviously, uh, Marilyn Monroe would be pretty uh, fascinating. Is, do you like her? No, not really. She's not even really my type. <laughs> so but, forget but it. But she just has to have some crazy stories that I'm sure she would end up, you know, uh, telling yeah. you about. You know, filleting the attorney general and the president. You know, hanging, you know, being so married bad. to Joe DiMaggio and all. It would just it would be, it would be kind of interesting. Yeah, Joe DiMaggio was not attractive. No, but he was incredibly famous and an amazing baseball player. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, do you know what Marilyn Monroe? You know what Marilyn Monroe used to do? Uh, Felish yeah, yeah. Men? Besides that, okay. I'm pretty sure this is true, <laughs> and she's dead, so this isn't slander. She asterisk. Yeah, I think that at the peak of her fame, and she was obviously as, as famous as you can be. Sure. Occasionally, she'd be like in New York or here and there, and she would just not even for horniness. She would she would just find a guy like a cab driver or a you know a a warehouseman or a you know a fucking truck driver. She just bang one out. She would just like hey like come do me in the in the closet. She would just have sex with a random guy. All of a sudden, like hmm. she would find a guy, and the guys would be like, "Is this really happening to me? Like this is Marilyn Monroe, my really? and you know it was kind of avant garde." Well, I have no idea if that is. I don't know if it's true not. at all. I will say this: either way, you know, if that does, is the case, you know, fucking a man, great for her. Great, great, you know, is she? Do you think she's a butterface at all? No, I think she was beautiful. Yeah, I think, I think she think was so stunning. Too. I think so too. I think by today's standards, people would pick her apart for not being, you know, a rail thin, rail thin. But uh, no, she was absolutely beautiful. She was stunning, and at, at the time, I mean, there's not many women you could argue that were more beautiful than her. Um, you know, during the height of her power, so. Yeah, I, I mean, my my reason for picking her is not because I think she would just be, you know, she's not the hottest woman that I've ever seen in my life. But, um, yeah, the stories would be really, really interesting. And we're talking about around the golf. You yeah, know. it's four hours. You know, you get to hang out with somebody and walk around in nature. And for it's four not hours. more than that. No, no, nothing more than that. This is a, I'm, I'm not pick, you know picking a hot chick based on who maybe I might get we're, lucky with. We're not we're not it, pigs. You know, we're not pigs in this discussion. No, certainly not. Um, but yeah, that's probably you know. Something like that is where I would go. Golfer, Tiger Woods, human, dead or alive. <sighs> when you ask me a question like that, you almost feel obligated to pick somebody who's deceased because theoretically speaking... It's a rare opportunity. You know, maybe, yeah, right. You may 
somehow, some way, get to play golf with anybody who may be alive at this very moment. That's right. However unlikely it might be. So if I had to pick somebody who is deceased, maybe a Genghis Khan? <laughs> what about our Lord and Savior? <laughs> JC? Yeah. Uh, I'll pass. That's okay. You know, yeah, I mean, All right. I'm sure he's an interesting fellow, but sure. you know, I, I'd rather hang out with Genghis. All right. Genghis, whatever, however you're supposed to pronounce it. Either way is fine. Yeah. Okay. Well, on that note... <laughs> Anything else you'd like to share with our beloved no, it's, listeners it's here been, before we get out here? It's been rousing. Hopefully is, the microphones work this time. It has been a rousing good time. Thanks so much, everybody. Don't forget to visit golfguide.net. That's G-O-L-F-G-U-I-D-E dot net. And save 30 to 70% on your next round of golf here on the West Coast. Kasem, thanks so much again for a lovely week. We'll uh, see you same time seven days from now. Thank you, Kyle. All right. Thanks, everybody.